2: The Reds made it two wins on the bounce with their 3-2 win over Forest this weekend, with Klopp hoping his replenished squad and a tactical tweak to get the most out of Trent will see the Reds make a late push for top four as the season winds to a close. On this week's show, we'll be looking ahead to the midweek game away to West Ham as David Moyes turns 60 and looks for a birthday present against his frequent tormentors. Joining me on the pod to share his insight into the Hammers' rollercoaster season, I'm happy to welcome back West Ham correspondent for The Athletic, Roshan Thomas welcome back roshan
3: how's it going you're good
2: yeah i'm good i'm good i was was talking about just before before the pod i i actually managed to get away for a little bit so uh yeah it was lovely actually actual actual sun actual um warm weather but jet lag that is yeah firmly firmly hitting right now because i think it's my body clock is currently eight eight in the morning or something like that i forget what it it is (laughs) So I'm um, I'm a little bit rusty. So forgive me. Yeah, both you and the listeners might have to forgive me based on <laughs> how I, how I get through this. But um, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it over to you early on anyway, just to get it out of the way. In in terms of uh, this has been it's been quite an eventful season for West Ham. And I don't think it's a season necessarily that we probably expected, um, given some of the business in the summer and. Uh, what we'd seen from the team in previous seasons, um, certainly sort of the way in which they've kicked on previously under under Moyes. So I just wanted to ask you, before we dive into some of the individual sort of narratives and things like that about the, about the season, with sort of a few games left to go, and obviously sort of the, that European journey yet to reach its um, conclusion too. I mean, where are you um, or, or where are your thoughts on, on this season at the moment?
3: Yeah, certainly been an up and down season for sure.
2: Mm.
3: We can the last summer I spent over you know 160 million pound on players, the likes of Pekyta, yeah, Danuka uh, Tino Kara, Alphonso you know, experienced internationals, and it just quite hasn't gelled for West Ham. I know, I know performances have been more promising of late, but there was at one point it was great fair, that, like, you know, I know it's still it's still possible mathematically, but at one point you're thinking West Ham could go down here. You know, that's how much the team are really struggling. And for me, right, in terms of all the games I've been to so far, cause it's been there's been lots of games this season. <laughs> i said the, the turning point for me was the, uh, the win against Mertnum Forest, the 4-0 win. Because before that, the players held two meetings. Because before that game was, uh, I believe, a 1-1 draw. Sorry, it was a 2-0 loss against Tottenham. Yeah. One meeting held by Declan and sort of like a we-need-to-save-our-season sort of meeting. Hmm. And then another one at the training ground, sort of the same thing. We need to save our season. And like, what are, what are we doing? We're way we're way better than this. And that was held without Moyes knowing, without as backroom staff knowing, it was a mm. case of the players being accountable. And ever since then, we've seen West Ham do well. You know, for example, beating Ghent to to reach the semi final in successive seasons, of course, in the Conference League. Um, to you know that that valiant effort to to. Still about 2-2 two, two draw against Arsenal, of course. Mm. And then the 4-0 win against Bournemouth, which a lot of fans started singing David Moyes, started singing Declan Royes. <laughs> it felt like last season again. There's yeah. a number of factors that maybe West Ham to reach where they are now, but listen, it definitely hasn't been pretty. It hasn't been pretty at all.
2: No, it's, it, yes. It... Interesting how how quickly things can change, and you mentioned their sort of fans and sort of how they're reacting to to Rice, some of the other players in the team how are reacting to Moyes. Just one point there, because you mentioned it's interesting because you, you said that there was there was sort of a like um, a sort of players meeting you know, behind the manager's back. Um, just to, I just wanted to clarify on that. Were you saying that they left him out of it because? They felt it was more; it needed to be a conversation about the players and sort of the players putting in the effort that they should be, and that it wasn't wasn't to do with him. Or do you think it was a, um, you know, it was purposefully sort of done without the manager knowing because, uh, you know, for other reasons like maybe doubts about tactics, things like that.
3: I would say a bit of both, really. Mm. A Bit of both, really. As I mentioned, it's a case the players like saying, "Listen, we need to be accountable of our performances. There's only so many times the manager can, can go out and defend us." You know what I mean? now, now, now the oldest is on us. And it was after the um after the one that win over Fulham, myself and a few reporters, we spoke to Declan Rice after. I asked him, you know, how important the win was, and he was saying, look, we're a team like we love playing on on the David Moyes. You know, that's that's not a team out there that, that that's not supportive of the manager. We're all supportive of the manager. And I asked him, you know, what was said after the loss against Newcastle? Because if you remember, that was that was really poor that night. Really, really poor. And of all the times where it, it looked like Moyes could go, that was the closest for me. Because it was a 5-1 mm-hmm. loss. There was a lo- loud boost at the end of the game. And then Declan said, Moyes said in the Jesse Master, if I'm you guys, I want to play tomorrow. And then to- obviously the defeat wasn't a Wednesday. Tomorrow being be a, a Thursday. I want to play tomorrow. I was going to play tomorrow so I can react. Because that wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. That led to the performance against Fulham where the team responded well. And now, one number listen, it wasn't pretty, but it was a win, and that's all that match three points. So, in recent weeks, we've definitely seen a case of unity in this team with the dressing room, backroom staff. You know, Moyes even mentioned the other day he had dinner with um club legends, Trevor Brookin. So, it's definitely a unified camp right now. Hopefully, yeah, you can see that moving forward and the team potentially winning silverware.
2: Because it's interesting, you, you mentioned sort of the that last players' meeting that they had was after, um, was it the the loss to Tottenham? Was it the yeah, the two to Tottenham? Yeah, and yeah, naturally Tottenham have been going through sort of a, a very turbulent season of their own for sort of different reasons, and it looks like they're probably going sort of to drift towards the end of the season now um, based on how, how how they're performing. But yeah, obviously that yeah, the two loss is followed up by a four 0 one against Forest, but Forest are you know where, where they currently are in the league as well. And, and then there's two consecutive losses there, right? There's the loss to United, and there's a 4 0 know, loss to, to Brighton as well. So I'm, I'm just I'm just trying to gauge your thoughts on that because they they had the con they had sort of the players' conference between them. Uh, they got that big win against the side who had at the bottom of the league as well in 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 Forest. But then there's still two losses after that, you know, and a, you know, a humbling one. Yes, against a good team you know, in Brighton, but uh, I was looking at sort of the table after that, and I think it was West Ham on. What was it 23 points or something like that? And they were in uh, uh, where were they? Just around 16th place actually. So only a couple points up, up above the relegation zone. Things look a lot, you know, things are rosier now certainly. But I mean, were you were you concerned then that, or even after you know the the reported discussion amongst the players where they we you know we could have put more effort in things like that, that th- there were still you know, a couple losses like that? And then as you mentioned, you know, after after a few wins and some positive results in Europe as well, there was that 5-1 loss to to Newcastle. Yes, they're playing very well at the moment. But um, I, I guess as Liverpool fans, we, we've we had a lot of false dawns this season around sort of players coming out saying, oh, that's, just, that's not acceptable. You know, we have to go again. We have to sort of refocus, et cetera. Uh, and then, like, inevitably it doesn't happen. We've not, not been able to string enough games together this season. That's been one of the big, big issues for Liverpool are you are you worried that that's still the case that that, that that things are still pretty fragile
3: no not 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 now
2: okay not now. because
3: as I mentioned now it's a case of West Ham producing promised performance and they're getting results now for it they're getting points on the table whereas before they were playing okay but they weren't getting points for their efforts and as you touched on those humping the feet you know, the, new, the, the, the Brighton loss in particular that was really bad because that was the first time supporters turned on noise this season they started chanting you don't know what you're doing are you getting sacked in the morning. And yesterday, they were singing. <laughs> they were singing his name. Yeah. And that Brighton loss was it in March. So that's only a month ago.
2: Yeah, exactly. So
3: it, it shows you how, how you know, how crazy it's been the season and how things can turn around just like that. So similar to Liverpool, as you touched on, there has been a few false storms for West Ham. But now we've seen momentum. But I'm beating in the last five games, of course, as I touched on that 2-2 draw against Arsenal. That real effort to say, listen, we can go top-to-top with the big teams. And I guess that'll be the message to the players before the game against um, Liverpool on, on, uh, on Wednesday. Mm. Like, they can get at least a point from that game. Because tomorrow, obviously we're doing this podcast on Monday, tomorrow will be Tuesday, of course, the uh, 25th of April. That's going to be Moise's birthday. He's going to turn 60 tomorrow.
1: Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. Just head over to Anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfieldindex. So, is he really?
3: Well, yeah, that's another incentive behind the players wanting to do well. I'm sure we he'll get cake and they'll start seeing her birthday and all that sort of stuff. But besides wanting to, you know, further secure their safety in the league, they got the incentive of Moises' birthday. You know, it's a home it's a home game. So they want to do well for the crowd again.
4: Yeah.
3: So I'll, I'll say that the feel good factor is slowly coming back for West Ham. Most important times for sure.
2: Mm. I'm sure. I mean, obviously, sort of with the majority of the listeners being Liverpool fans. I mean, they they, they want nothing more than to give Moyes a, a late birthday present. <laughs> <It's> not saying <laughs> all those lines, given his, his, <laughs> his, his history against the club over the over the years. I mean, just looking at the results, then. I mean, because just looking at sort of the, the difficult parts of the season, um, and certainly the first half looks to have been you know pretty tough in patches. I mean, I'm looking at November in particular to, and December towards the end of the year, where there are a number of losses and. Consecutive losses there it must have been a real difficult, difficult period for the club and for Moyes. What do you put sort of those struggles down to earlier on in the season and, and those those losses that came in clusters together? Is it a case of, as you mentioned, there's a lot a lot of money being spent on players, and we'll and we'll talk about those players in a bit and sort of how they settled. But do you put it on your players and trying to integrate you know, different players and and getting away from the formula that had that worked? So so well for West Ham or is it a case of the increased demands with European football Is it a mixture of everything what what did you put sort of the struggle down to
3: I'll, I'll definitely say um, more if you've not known this best start 11 and having to integrate the best part of nine new players into the team because last well if you look back on his managerial career right he likes playing he's like work, working with a small squad and obviously one of the biggest squads he's had in his managerial career so he wasn't quite sure how to get the best out of Lucas Pacioretty because, for Brazil, he plays as a holding midfielder, whereas Morris was playing him as a number ten. So he wasn't he wasn't really playing well as a number ten in that role. In terms of up front, Skomaka was struggling in terms of his fitness. And listen, the club paid the best part of 30 million for him, so you have to play him to justify that try, to justify the price for your course. So one week it was Skomaka, then it was Antonio, and then obviously both are having issues in terms of their goal scoring form. So that was another factor, hence why we signed Danny Ings in January. And then you had the defender, Nea Aguilar, suffered an ankle injury in pre-season in pre- against Rangers. So when he was out for a considerable amount of time. And then you had Tito Kera, who was a bit a bit error-prone, so he was giving goals away. So it was a number of reasons why West Ham was struggling then. And then to compound that, you had obviously the target challenge in Europe, wanted to do well in that. So definitely a number of reasons. But if I had to pinpoint one, it's definitely more it's not knowing his best starter event. And having to integrate new signings, obviously the new signings not doing relatively well as well. So there are a number of reasons why um, West Ham fell short during the season.
2: And often when sort of new signings don't settle, or there's been a lot of business, and you know the the players don't seem to gel as well, you you hear issues about oh you know these players weren't my choice, or you know things that you know, brief things about transfer committees and this and now owners getting involved, and there's, there's plenty of other clubs where well, that's been the case. I got the impression that Moyes was sort of you know, quite involved in the window in terms of sort of the recruitment and the players that came in. Was that the case in terms of sort of him picking those players, picking those targets that ultimately he signed for the club? And if and if it is, if it is the case a bit, I suppose that does ask a few more questions about sort of how he wasn't aware of what his what his best eleven was in, in terms of the players and their, and, and their profiles. Or, or do you think it was a case of that some of those players weren't exactly the uh, the choices that Moyes was after?
3: a case of Moyes and his recruitment team working together. So obviously you've got head of recruitment, Rob Newman. Yeah. You've got Jorge Santos, the European scout who joined for Marseille, of course. You've got Moyes' son, who's also part of the recruitment team.
2: Is he um, really? I don't,
3: yeah, I don't know
2: Yeah, um, yeah David Moyes Jr. Is it part- David Moyes Jr.? I didn't know his name was David Moyes Jr. Fantastic.
3: <laughs> He's also part of the recruitment team. So we all work together really to identify targets. And look, I've ordered them. Definitely a case of Danny Ings being one of the priorities for for for, for Moyes because we figure back on on Moyes' career. He tried two attempts to get Danny Ings. First being at Sociedad, didn't work out. Second being his first time in charge at at West Ham, didn't work out. So it's a case of being um, third time lucky. So it turns out him coming back. Bacitar, it out Lucas Maguitar. Was great depth that went into signing him, of course. And that was when West Ham missed out the likes of Matthias Nunes. who joined to Wolverhampton Wanderers. I'm do a I joined Everton, so they missed out on two other midfield targets. So the case of look, we can't miss out on another one. Lucas Pacioretta, Tino Carroll, case of a midf- a defender rather, become available last minute, and I say look for ten million. We can't go wrong with this. That's great value for money. So that's casey a case of how he was signed. In terms of Flynn Downs, it was a case of Moyes getting the wind that he was on the brink, on the brink rather of signing for Crystal Palace. He had done his medical. He had done like the in-house media. The club got wind of it, and as a case of Russell Martin, it actually a case of Flynn Downs, being you know, like Russell Martin's has sort of crying to him, like, look, I want to be at West Ham, I want to be a West Ham player. Like, please make me achieve my dream. I and mean, that's how that deal came about for for him to eventually join West Ham, of course. Listen, Ariola, he was here last season, he was incredible, and he's been a great understudy for Fabianski, of course. So I mean, that's pretty much pretty much a nutshell in terms of how some of the signings were made. And listen, have always, always been on the record saying, listen, I want to recruit, improve my recruitment team. I want to have the best recruitment team because we're not on par with the other clubs. Like we're a bit far behind. Mm. And that was the best the first time rather, a number of years you so saw West Ham compete, other European clubs to sign, um proven internationals.
4: Hello. I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. before every Premier League match week, and then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable, there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter, at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye.
2: Yeah, so in in, in terms of the players that were the worst or the profile they were identified, they've, they've, they've signed for the club, I mean, which... Which of those have struggled to to gel, and and, and 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 which of those signings have been sort of the biggest success stories, or even those who are sort of turning it around at this stage of the season as well and sort of having more of an impact? There's a couple of real big names there, but I just I just wanted to get your view on on how those signings have done and which ones have fit um, as uh, as well as you'd hope. In terms of
3: struggles, I'll probably say Tilo Caro. As I mentioned earlier, he's been really error prone. Listen, you will have the odd game where he's good, but on the whole, he struggled. Pakita great score yesterday, but we can see that a lot more because he's capable of scoring those sort of goals. But he lacks consistency. So he's another one he struggled. I'm probably saying out of all of them, the one who struggled the most has been Scamacca. He's at issue of his fitness. He hasn't quite been able to justify that 30 million price tag that the club obviously paid for him, of course. And in terms of his long term future, that's that's up in the air right now because we're not quite sure if he's going to be a West Ham player next summer. Sorry, sorry. Um, at the start of next season. Right. Yeah. He's a mobile he's also struggled. As I mentioned earlier, ariola has been a great other study for Fabianski. When Fabianski had a, I think it was an, an eye injury he suffered against Nottingham Forest. Ariola came in and he slotted them well. So he's been a good a good addition to the team. And Emerson's been a good addition. He challenged uh, Aaron Creswell for the left-back role. And at one point, Aaron Creswell struggled to get into the team. So that's how well Emerson was doing. Neil faguer has been a good side, as I mentioned. obviously struggled with a few a few hours here and there. But on the whole, he's been a good addition to the team. And there's been so many, there's been so many signings. I'm trying, I'm trying to remember the others. <laughs> That's how many signings there have been. Yeah. But in terms of what I can remember, they're, they're the ones who sort of struggled and who sort of slotted them well. Hmm. So, yeah.
2: From what I'd seen, Cornet seemed to have played sort of relatively well when, when he's been given a chance or, or or was that more of like a hot start that he had and obviously some of the period he had on loan as well. Uh, I mean, how, how has he been since signing permanently?
3: He had an incredible start when he suffered a fire injury.
2: Oh, Um, right, okay.
3: It was a case of of the fire injury being worse than initially feared. And then that led to him going out to Paris to try and get treatment to Lyon to try and get treatment. He spent a lot of time in France trying to find out like the extent of the fire injury. And he was out for what? Four or five months, I'm going to say? For a very long time. And he's been back, you know, he hasn't started, but he's been a good, a good addition off the bench. So you have the odd cameo appearance here and Daniel, and he'll cause a threat. So it's a case of him trying to get to start eleven now, because we've seen glimpses of what he can do. So I'm sure he'll start one game between now and end of the season, and hopefully for next season the case of where he'll be flying fully fit and can show the fans what he what he can do.
2: And in terms of the, the tactical approach this season and what Moyes has tried to do, e- even when things haven't clicked, sort of how have West Ham uh, West Ham been lining up? Who what was what's generally been sort of their their starting eleven? I know you, I know you mentioned Moyes as... Hasn't been sure on it, and that's been one of the main issues. But in terms of sort of the the style that Moyes has tried to implement, has has that been changed um, somewhat by um, like, well, from the formula that was working previously? Given these new players, yeah. have there been shifts this season?
3: Yeah, it's been he's rotated a number of formations. It's been four two three one. It's been the wingback system three five two. It's been more recently four three three, and. A lot of fans are of the opinion about 4-3-3 gets the best out of his team because remember what I mentioned earlier Lucas Paquitar playing a number 10 he wasn't quite working out for him now he's playing in the mid-4-3 alongside Declan Rice and Thomas Socek, and that seems to be the system that gets the best out of all three of them because against Bournemouth all three of them contributed offensively you know Rice scoring Paquitar scoring Sochek with an assist and in terms of the, the front three was Benrahma um, Antonio Bowen Bowen with an assist Antonio scoring Benrahma I think four shots on target and the back four doing well, keeping a clean sheet, of course. So West Ham seemed to be and even even in the FA Cup defeat against Man United, again, that day it was four through three, and West Ham played well. You know, had it taken a chance, they could have been in the quarterfinals or even the semi finals the FA Cup, you yes, you never know. So that's how well it is when it's 4 3. But when it's like the win system, it's a bit it's a bit defensive, far too defensive for West Ham fans liking. So even in the one one draw against Ghent, it was that system and the team were way too deep, way, way too deep. And against Fulham as well, way too deep once more. 4-2-3-1, it's a case of that system, teams working at West Ham, and, it, and it's sort of been a bit stale for West Ham. You know, on the other occasions they'll play well, but on the whole, it's sort of struggle in terms of how they are offensively. So in terms of a system where they're good defensively, they pose the a threat on a the counter-attack, they're much better in terms of their ball, ret- ball retention, it's definitely 4-3-3 for sure.
2: Interesting. Uh, I terms sound of like
3: the, a geek. I sound like a tactical geek. or that like, breakdown. No, home.
2: no, I mean, I mean that's exactly sort of what we uh, we would expect to be on a switch. I mean, you watch a lot of this football, <laughs> you know, you watch a lot of it. So, um, but I think that that indecision's clear, right? From what you're saying there, the number of different formations, the switches, the, the shows a lack of confidence in sort of what the team's doing, the, and that's obviously going to bleed into their their performances. Not not being able to form partnerships again. That's something we've seen. This season with Liverpool, to be honest, I think there was a an attempt to move to a different style of play, only to realise that actually some of the midfielders that were necessary for that style of play uh, weren't at the club because the current midfielders um, weren't up to sort of the physical tasks or demands of, um, of of the way in which we wanted to play. So we've tried a whole bunch of different or sort of variations throughout the season. I've seen Klopp try all sorts of different stuff before, sort of trying to revert back to a style that's a bit closer to how Liverpool usually play but again doesn't work all the time because we don't have we don't, those players aren't in their prime anymore in, in the midfield so it's been a bit been a bit tricky there's been far too many basketball games where we don't really control it we're just okay we'll try and outscore you because we've got still got the attack we've still got trent and we'll, put, and we'll push him up into a higher position and just get him in creating but and there's still still some similarities there in in terms of, I think you know, when, when teams struggle or have a hard time in the league, sometimes European football can provide that relief, you know, that escapism where they can just go and express themselves a little bit more. Has that been the case really with this Conference League journey this season? In terms of, it has seemed as though the the, the team are a little bit freer to express themselves in those games. Um, certainly, sort of haven't reached a semifinal again. Uh, it's, you know, it's it's a really effective way to, to help them rebuild that confidence. Is, has that been the case, a bit Jekyll and Hyde this season?
3: Yeah, because it's been a case of two teams. One, that's free-scoring, they have an attack on Verve. That's been in Europe. And yeah. the one, sort of been a bit timid and vulnerable, which has been in the league.
2: It's the same players, right? Or, or, or has there been much rotation for Europe?
3: Well, I'd probably say, in terms of the Conference League, it's been a case of Moyes playing the new signings a lot more. And then, right, interesting. Well, He's his trusted, his trusted old guard in the league, I'd say and before the game against Bournemouth right there was a stat that West Ham has scored 30 goals in the conference league and 29 goals in the league in the Premier League so I thought that was incredible because they've they played about what 11 games including qualifiers in the conference league whereas they've been the best part of what 31 in the league so it showed there's one position that they absolutely loved playing and absolutely thrived in and they showed their personality a lot more I'd say whereas they held back a lot more in the league and listen I understand why the priority has been to to stay up, but you, you can't really take many chances. Whereas in Europe, given the opposition against the likes of Larnaca, Ghent, Andalet, and what have you, you can sort of take a bit more chances. And I think, I think that's been the case of West Ham in terms of a European campaign so far.
2: Yeah, it's it's a strange one. I guess it also points a little bit, I'm sure fans have been sort of mentioning this as well, that the trusted lieutenants are the ones that are letting Moyes down in the league. And it's, it's, it's some of the new signings that have actually shown up and put in the put in the performances they were expecting. If you had to pluck out players and think who have the star players been again this season, um who would you who would you pick? And obviously I'm, I'm expecting to hear Declan Rice's name as well, because every time we talk, we talk about uh Rice and his evolution as a player and you know maybe that actually you know we'll come on to talk about it, but maybe this season this is this is going to be potentially his last season at West Ham. It's uh, based on the, not some of the noises he's making. But yeah, who who have those key players been?
3: Well, in that case, we could save the best for last. So, we could. Yeah. Right now. So, in terms of best players, more recently it's been Vladimir Kafal. He's been amazing. The right back. He's been playing really good. Playing like the Vladimir Kafal of last season. He was a fan favorite, of course. A lot of fans are calling him the modern day Thomas Repka, a defender who played for West Ham in the 90s, of course. And yeah, he's been he's been really good. He's playing with a lot more confidence. Against Bob if he had his first assist of the, of the league campaign. And. We spoke to him uh, before the final first thing against Ghent. And he was saying, look, the final could going to be in Prague. It would mean a lot to me if West Ham were to reach. The final, obviously, would be, would be in Czech Republic, my home country. They said, look, I may not be good enough to play for Liverpool, Man City, Man United, but I'm going to have to play for West Ham. And hopefully, I can win silver over West Ham. So that left a, last, a lasting impression on me. So, yeah, he's definitely been one. He's been a key performer for sure. Saibin Rama, I know he polarised his opinion, but he's been really good for West Ham this season looking at score at the weekend of course he showed a lot more a lot more consistency on the, the offensive end I'd say so he's definitely one and as we said save the best till last Declan Rice 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 baby however you want to phrase it yeah. <laughs> he's been the hammer of the year player for sure Um of course his long term future will always be a talking point his contract expires next summer but it looked, the likelihood is that he'll leave the summer you've got Arsenal Newcastle United Man United also who are in the hunt for a signature and it's a case of Rice just being amazing, the key performer, you know, always leading by example against Bournemouth fans were singing, give us ten more years. <laughs> uh, what what can we say about this guy? Listen, I know he's been criticized by Roy Keane and um and Graham Sunnes for his lack of goals, but he's letting this football do the talking. He really is. He scored a great solo goal against again. Great. Probably one of the best solo goals you'll see all season. And he scored again another another thunderbolt against Bournemouth. And if that's the, if that can be the one area where he chips in five goals a season, then any club would be happy with that with that um mm. that addition. That plus his leadership, his, his ability to dictate games, and he's only twenty four years old. Oh. I could go on all day about Declan Ryan. <laughs> but yeah, what a player and definitely been the best player for sure for West Ham this season.
2: Has his role changed at all into the sort of what he's been asked to do this season for West Ham? I mean you mentioned they sort of scoring fewer goals. This time around, but I'm guessing has it been added defensive responsibility for him, especially with the side struggling? Has his role evolved a little bit? Can you see if he, if he was to move on? Do you do you think that role would change again, or like
3: it will change again in terms of player stuff? Let's say for Arsenal, for example, they're playing a midfield three. So whereas he's been sort of more accustomed to playing a midfield two alongside Thomas Solcek, it's like to be a midfield three now. If he were to join a Newcastle or. or um, on Arsenal. But he, as I mentioned earlier, the more he's playing 4 3 well, Rice only can he could play in that system. And I'll probably say his role hasn't really changed in terms of on the field. It's definitely been off the field. Because when Mark Noble retiring as captain, there's been a more incentive on Rice to lead by example, to be the first person to talk to the to, to the media after after a loss, win or draw of course. When things like going right, as I mentioned, he's the one who's calling players to account, holding team meetings. The owners have been on him to lead by example. And, listen, there's been times this season where fans have sort of, have called him out. We've called him out for leadership, for example, let's say when things weren't going too well. You know, there's there's the only occasion where Rice would throw, throw his hands in the air, being like, what on earth is going on, guys? We've got to do a lot better. And supporters have noticed that. And then, i probably say he got to Rice at one point because he started, you know, referencing it his, in his um, interviews post-match. And then, yeah, it's reached the case now where he's a lot more, a lot more settled, a lot more confident his leadership ability, and for sure he's been leading them by example in recent weeks. Definitely a lot more so, so he's been criticised by as soon as they're working.
0: I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. Or go a step further, like I have, and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, Mac boxes, and games consoles. Visit LibertyShield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get twenty five percent off at checkout. And
2: in terms of this. <laughs> I think so. Keane is. I mean, I've seen them criticise nearly everybody. To be honest, I, 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 I was speaking to Anker a few weeks ago about the criticism that Keane was uh, aiming at. Uh, I think it was who was it? Oh, um, uh, Andy Robertson uh, for having the audacity to be annoyed at being elbowed in the face by by a referee. Uh, and I was just trying to imagine. And I'm sure you can imagine as well, Rosanna, I mean, like, what Roy Keane's reaction. <laughs> Would have been like if a referee had had elbowed or moved his elbow towards his face in any way during his playing career. So I found it hilarious that he'd have chosen that that hill to die on in terms of his um his opinion. But I think everybody gets it from from him with 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 both barrels, it seems. And certainly Trent this season has been uh, seems to have taken over Pogba's place in the Sky Sports Studio of uh, players getting individual match highlights to sort of find every single Every single error he makes, um, whilst others um, sort of sail, sail by, which is quite quite an interesting trend. But the, the European adventure that's still going on, I mean, like West Ham fans must have real confidence there that they can go all the way this time. I mean, how are fans feeling in the camp? How, how are you feeling about sort of the, the club's chances there? You've know, been here before. You know, can they take the next step?
3: Yeah, I, I thought, I've been here before. No reason why they can't go one step further. It's, it's in Alkmaar in the semi-finals. Not um, gonna be sort of on an authority for West Ham, but a lot of supporters looking forward to the trip to Amsterdam. I've seen a few, <laughs> a few tweets saying hotels booked, flights booked, accommodations booked. So you know, vast fans looking forward to another European trip. And I honestly think that that loss to Frankfurt last season still hurts. You know, Venom Akafar like mentioned that he still thinks about it. Mostly he still thinks about it. And in terms of that loss, it was the case of West Ham losing their heads. So we saw. Cresswell getting sent off in what I think the opening 20 minutes, we saw David Moyes getting sent off for, for booting the ball out of ball boy. Just West Ham losing all composure, losing their heads. But through that, they know how to act much better this time round. So one year removed from that incident, you know the players are a lot more experienced now. They have better players, it's a better squad, more depth. And look, they can beat Isla Isla There's no reason why they can't be, beat them and go through to the final. So hopefully that's the case because if West Ham do win, it's European League next season. So that's even more incentive for West Ham to get silverware. Look, it'll be the first silverware Moise won as manager. So that's also, that's also, that's also another factor. And if they do win, it'll be the last it the last British trophy they've won since what 1980, the FA FA Cup, way before I was even born. So there's many incentives for West Ham to want to do well. And you know, and as I touched on earlier, Vladimir Cup, Thomas Solček being from Czech Republic. So hopefully the team do go one step further and win silverware this season.
2: And if you're sort of looking towards next season already and thinking about okay, yeah, if if West Ham are you know to you know, look sort of safely clear of the relegation battle at the moment, of course, uh, plenty of clubs down there who seem to have bigger problems uh, to, to be dealing with. And Moyes is looking to kick on, maybe some move on some of the players that haven't worked out. But what are the areas where you think that there will need to be money invested? Obviously, if Rice is to go you imagine that will produce a, a large fee that can then be used to reinvest in the squad. But where are the positions you think are going to be integral?
3: Yeah, certainly We feel look, Vardy Ryan right, does leave, got to find his replacement, and I'm pretty sure the club right now are working on identifies his replacement because he does so much on and off the field. And there's one thing to have a replacement is good on the field, but you need to have someone who's also equally as important off the field as well. So that's definitely a key area for sure provided um, Scamacchi leaves Striker will be interesting because you've got Antonio who's what 32, 33 now you've got Ings who's getting on at age both on the wrong side of 30 you've got a young forward in the academy called Devine mm-hmm. really good but I don't think providing West Ham still staying in the Premier League he'll get another chance I can see him going out alone next season for his development so is it a case where the club say look let's try and splash out money on another striker
2: yeah.
3: that's interesting to see
2: and what yeah. kind of striker do you think? Do you think that, that it has
3: to be? It has to be someone in the same mode as Antonio. It has okay. Someone's got that work ethic. He's got pace, strength. Because Scamaca, for all his qualities, he doesn't play like Antonio. Even when things are really bad, yeah. you're know, more trusting Antonio because you know he knows what he gets out of him. He knows he got someone who's going to work, hard off the, off the ball. Someone's going to always run after long course lost courses. But that's not England's game.
2: Mm.
3: That's not Scamaca's game. So Antonio can do that. So hopefully someone like him. Um, it's quite
2: a unique profile yeah, it is. isn't it yeah
3: definitely so, Definitely now in, in terms of modern centre forwards it is a unique profile but look I'm sure there's someone out there that can play in the same mode as uh, Antonio for sure so yeah in terms of so forward and midfield are definitely the key areas for West Ham this summer
2: okay and then we come on to the game itself then the actual um, Liverpool game midweek as you say at home uh, under the lights I mean, it'll be bright for a while here of course but in in terms of how you think um West Ham are going to approach that game you know, on the up at the moment feeling good after that 4-0 win against uh, Bournemouth the, the win against Ghent as well the draw at Arsenal confidence is going to be high um Liverpool had a bit of a resurgence recently as well with, with with players coming back and Thiago being back in the team and uh Trent in this new position that looks to give him a, a hell of a lot more influence on on games from an attacking sense and he's already putting up some crazy numbers, that, having only been there for a couple of games so far. I mean, h- h- how do you imagine Moyes is going to approach this? As you mentioned, birthday boy, he <laughs> be cake, etc. H- h- how's he going to approach this contest?
3: I can see it being a case of old habits style hard. Um, <laughs> yeah. him yeah. like gone defensive. I can see him playing 4 2 three, one or maybe even a win-back win system, 3-5-2. that so if, if, if that's the case, it would be a shame because West Ham is so good defensively over the past two games, obviously scored eight goals combined over the past two games, but Moyes is cautious. At, he's cautious at first. He's cautious at first. That's always how it's going to be. Yeah, yeah. see it being, you know, a case of Moyes playing for a draw.
2: Yeah, I don't think that would surprise me too much either, to be honest, I think that has been the type when we've seen Moyes come up against Liverpool in the past, even when you've been in knockout competitions, right, and you think, okay, this is the time, you should let your players, you know, like... Let the handbrake go a little bit and actually express yourselves because it's a knockout sort of format. He's, he's he's always been a bit cautious. I think that's, that is his, um, that is his approach. It's not going to change now. As you, as you mentioned, turning 60, I, I don't expect him to fundamentally shift his, his tactical approach now at this stage in his career. Um, in, in terms of players, then, I mean, uh, and, and based on what you've seen of Liverpool season, uh, so far, I, I, I mean, what are you sort of um, thinking? Which version of Liverpool do you think is going to turn up to this? Are there, are there particular players that you think are going to be the bigger threats for, for West Ham to deal with?
3: Well, I hope it's Liverpool side that struggled. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that, that'll that be uh, definitely desirable for sure. But um, look, on the whole, I, I, I think Darren Nunez has been a good addition for you guys. I think That's good player. to hear.
2: Yeah, not everyone thinks it's crazy. I think he's, I think he's put up some decent numbers. Isn't
3: yeah, he? I think he's good. Look, not every side, not every tracker's going to score like forty goals, thirty goals in the first season. Some take mm. a while. You know, I can think of the likes of like Dirk Kite, and
2: yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. Like Fernando Morientes. You know, these sort of players that sort of struggled initially and done well after. So I think that would be the case of Darwin Nunes in terms of second season, he's gonna could be flying. Mm. So he's definitely the one. I'm looking at thinking, yeah, he could cause the defense a lot of a lot of problems. So we all know Salah's great forward and whatnot. But I'm looking at Darwin Nunes. I think, yeah, he's the one worth out to keep an eye on.
2: It's it's been an interesting one for sure. Cause I think he just showed you so much how like results affect like people's perception and stuff. Because I think Nunes could very easily end this season if he gets a few more, like with 20 goals in his first season, which is again not not bad at all for a player in his first season and and his age. And Salah, uh, I, think, I think Salah's like. Uh, only four or five goals away from like hitting 31 goals again for the third season in a row, and he's already on like 15, 16 assists, and it just seems to be going completely under the radar because we've had a bad season. Um, but he's still very much putting up those numbers, so I, I think he's. You're probably looking at. I mean, no, knowing that guy's uh, sort of ego and sort of his competitiveness, I'm sure he's looking at the final few games and going, "Okay, there's a chance, a chance for me here to rack up some numbers." Yeah, as as teams maybe are safe, secure and you know and I think the fact that top four I, I think is a little bit of a stretch for Liverpool now because of some of the poor results earlier in the season. But I'm sure they'll still go for it with the with everything they've got. But yeah, I'm I'm expecting I'm expecting a lively game to be honest. I'm I'm not expecting Moyes to be able to keep it to a draw. I think it's gonna or if, if it were, is a draw, it'll be a score draw for sure. Uh and I think it could be a little bit but bit of a basketball game bit end to end. But um, anyway, Roshan, thanks so much, as always, for coming on, for trying to give us the insight into sort of how this season has developed and um, sort of where West Ham are at the moment. Really appreciate that. And, um, yeah, thanks again for coming on.
3: No always at all. Thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, coming,
2: UIs. Absolutely. Uh, and just to wrap this up, to all those who have been listening to, to Rival Recon throughout the season, thanks so much, of course. It looks as though there's you know, glimmers that this could end, could be a season that ends positively. Uh, And we'll be back with another episode ahead of the game um, on the 30th of April against us. Let's face it, a struggling Spurs side. So do join us then.
1: We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community.